hey there, mother lovers. This is Elena Turley, your host, and welcome to the Unboxable Podcast, a place for mothers who are seeking holistic health and maybe a new way to look at a few things. Please enjoy this episode. Well, welcome back. It's Elena with Chris from Sustainable Human. I'm going to allow Chris Agnos to introduce himself because I think these guys are kind of amazing. So Chris, tell me, how, how are you, first of all? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Alina. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so my wife and I, Dawn, um, we run a nonprofit called Sustainable Human, and it focuses on uh, telling the stories that kind of illuminate our many sustainability crises in the world today. And we really try to go deep into the roots of it. So, and, and, it, and in that process, it really has been a journey. And what you find out is when you start studying um, about the root causes of sustainability, a lot of times it brings you right back to the family structure and to um, how kids are being raised and, um, and, and, and that really makes an impact on their behavior later on in life, depending on the stories they believe about the world and, and also how they deal with their insecurity. So these are, these play out as they play out as adults in a lot of maladaptive behaviors and things that are causing the sustainability crisis. So, or many of them. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how we, we, we wound up kind of in maybe your neck of the woods, <laughs> even though we yeah. came in from a different perspective. Today's episode is brought to you by the Soul Mama Academy. It is a safe space online for mothers only, and it is specifically there for women to access a community, a nurturing community that provides a gentle accountability and encourages you to walk step by step, small choice by small choice towards a holistic and healthy lifestyle. It just allows you to become more relaxed, have more fun and show up as the best mum possible. Visit www.soulmamaacademy.com, S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Nice one, ladies. Well, this is remarkable because I similarly made that connection and put together a blog years and years, years ago that is called Soul Mama. And the idea is very similar that uh, I, I was actually doing an introduction to permaculture course at my child's school. I wasn't working and it was a, it was one of those courses for people who weren't working and it was free and I found it really inspiring, not only how to grow a few vegetables in my backyard, but also what it did in connecting with other people and actually getting in touch with the earth, literally getting my fingers in the earth and learning about permaculture, which is um, a really interesting system in itself of thinking and designing and mimicking nature when we predominantly when we grow food, but you can also use permaculture thinking in lots of ways. And um, it kind of just shed this light on something on that same connection. For me, it, it made me realize that actually the way that I was parenting and the way that I was relating to the environment were very linked and that that would have a massive impact in the future. And so I started writing about it in 2009. And now I'm finding that I'm not alone in making that connection. There are many people around the world. I wouldn't say a lot, 
but I'm coming across more and more who just like you have made and just like me have made that very similar connection between the way that we are in families and the way that we are in relationship and the way that we take care of our environment and relate to the environment. So, um, and I still am now doing that in, in an education form as well. So it's so great to meet you, Chris, because, you know, this is quite special, I think, to be able to make that connection and work in that space. So tell me about the work you do in that space. Sure. Well, um, you know, stories are kind of how we relate to the world, um, you know, uh, depending on how you, uh, what story you have of the world. And stories are basically a, a set of beliefs sometimes that uh, answer questions about how the world works and what your relationship is to it. And is it safe or is it dangerous? Is it um, these are these are types of questions that stories answer. And so what we do is we we recognize that there is a story that we've kind that our many Western cultures have adopted. Um, some have called it the the story of separation, which is we are all separate from nature. We're separate from each other. We're these individual beings trying to self-maximize in an economy of competition, and. Um, and I think for more and more people today, um, that story doesn't resonate. It doesn't feel good. And it really is against our biological nature, which is to cooperate and to um, really um, live in harmony with each other. And for the most part, you know, there's always going to be conflict, but there's lots of ways to deal with conflict that don't involve the type of violence that we see in the world today. And so, um, these are all um, um, themes that we explore using video storytelling. Um, and so um, I, your audience, I'm not sure if they've seen any of our work, but if they want to, they can go to our website and just um, check out the stories section um, on sustainablehuman.org. And you can see what we're talking about in terms of marrying kind of the story with the visual images and the music in order to create a more emotional experience a more um, felt experience so that people can actually um, contemplate alternative stories to the ones that they've kind of been um, brought up with or accustomed to because that's really i think the key to solving many of the crises today is to really become conscious storytellers of our lives and to be able to use stories to achieve the goals that we hope to achieve in the world so that's, that's, so beautiful. that's kind of the mission of our of our organization and what we try to do there's so much i want to unpack in what you just said chris um i think that's amazing and again similarly i kind of relate because i remember being really young and wanting to have an impact on exactly what we're talking about now noticing the disconnection as a child noticing separation and wanting to tell stories and i remember this conscious moment quite young like i don't know under 10 where i thought how can i get these stories out i know i need to tell stories what's the best way and i thought film and um i worked in film for a long time 13 to 15 years i, I worked on many different yeah. films i worked on a star wars film I, I worked on a lot of things and um mostly independent met a lot of incredible people and 
eventually had children, my life changed and I sort of had to leave the film industry, which is quite small in Sydney, to be honest. Mm. And um, I think it's an incredibly powerful tool for storytelling and and what a wonderful way that you're using it, um, the kind of stories. It also makes me think of that that sort of quote around you can only create what you can imagine, you know, and by imagining things differently and telling stories differently, we are also, and, and you're not only imagining, you're reimagining in a way, I guess, stories that already exist. But um, that's a really powerful thing to do. And I'd love to know how did you come to this? What's your background? Hmm. Um, well, Don and I both came kind of from uh, different backgrounds. Um, you know, she came from a life that um, was, you know, very difficult, very uh, poor. Um, and had a lot of struggle um, all through life and was, uh, you know, foster care and things like that and all the things that you can imagine that, you know, yeah. go around with that kind of disconnected life. Yeah. Um, and I came from a political family um, where I kind of had all of the, my whole life mapped out for me such that wow. I didn't even have to make any choices in life. Yeah. And, um, and so it was, it was very different, but we wound up actually having a, um, a lot in common because yeah. um, we both kind of came from families that prioritized uh, were, were, you know where were the were the the family figures prioritized um, their own lives kind of more than you know yeah. the development of their children and yeah. and things like that so we connected around that and um, and it was really a initiative that was born out of our connection. Um, we met at a time when um, it was just one of those synchronistic moments. And, um, and then through um, our connection and our healing journeys together, we were, yeah. um, we kind of discovered the importance um, of storytelling. Um, yeah. It was a, through a few authors that I read and and things like that, but just just started seeing the impact that stories mm -hmm. really have on our lives, and um, and then we started unpacking the stories that impacted our lives, and um, and then um, started realizing that you know this is a vehicle for change, mm -hmm. and, and it's really amazing. the most authentic vehicle for change that there totally is. very human vehicle. And where yeah. where did you meet? Um, ironically, on Facebook. <laughs> um, um, so when I first started Sustainable Human, um, initially it was called um, Sustainable Man and it was like a personal, it was actually, you know, it, at the time, you know, I came from a very kind of corporate background. I had a corporate yeah. career for 10 years. Sure. I, I kind of followed the path that was expected of me until yeah. um, I was about 30. And um, then I kind of became aware of the sustainability crisis. I was really kind of oblivious to most of it for, yeah. for so long. Um, and when I was, I was like, wow. So the whole, I mean, I, I knew it was kind of an unjust world and I just thought, well, okay, it's an unjust world. But mm. then when I realized that, oh, it's an unjust world and it's not sustainable, like we're yeah. not even going to survive anymore. Well, yeah. that's when I started realizing, well, I got to, that I should be devoting my life to that somehow. But I really didn't understand how deep the rabbit hole went at that point. So yeah. I was still kind of, um, stuck in some of my old thinking and I sure. thought, okay, well, I need to go back to school and get a degree in sustainability. And um, so I wound up trying to get, uh, going to get a master's 
in sustainability, but um, realized that I was really just being trained to be like a, a corporate sustainability officer, you know, and I, and I knew yeah. it wasn't yeah. going to make I hear the impact you. I looked that into I that really as well. Make. Yeah. But I was, I, I was already in the program and I wound up finishing it. But when I got out, that's when I, that's what Don and I really decided that we, we wanted to just try to make an impact using storytelling. So um, I had met her during that time on um, Facebook because I had started this little blog called Sustainable Man. And she kind of answered the ad, even though she never answers ads on um, Facebook or anything. And it was just one of these synchronistic things that happened. And we, um, and we met at just the right time in both our lives. That's awesome. That was like, I very rarely dated Englishmen, but ended up marrying one. You know, you never know how, <laughs> how these <laughs> things are going to go. And can yeah. you, can you name, you mentioned there was a couple of books that informed this. You mm. said you'd read a few books. Can you mention a couple of titles of those books for us? Yeah. I mean, one, one of the biggest ones I'd say was, um, the ascent of humanity, uh, by Charles Eisenstein. Oh, interesting. Um, he kind of chronicled this story of separation in that book going all the way back to kind of um you know uh the first humans and everything and how they saw the world and then you know when the that story of separation first started and and how it kind of grew as a result of civilization um yeah growing and and the and the stories that kind of propelled those those things and those forces in the world um, so wow, that, that's that fascinating. One, for sure. Mm, yeah, that's but, fascinating. I love reading about the genealogy of ideas, you know, like the way that it, that certain ideas that we kind of take as truth or take as a given often mm-hmm. when we haven't examined them can just become embedded in us. And I love understanding. I'm, I studied a history degree, so I love understanding particularly the evolution of culture and society and, and how these ideas shape us. And that, that sounds like a good one for that. I haven't read it. Yes, um, I, I definitely recommend it. So it's, it's a long one, but it's, yeah. it's worth it. Cool. And anything else? Any other books? Um, I, I thought I liked uh, The Empathic Civilization by Jeremy Rifkin, which um, also kind of chronicled the development of empathy throughout um, human history um, and making the argument that it is progressing um, more and more, even though it, sometimes it seems like it's slow. But um, but if you look back over attitudes from, um, you know, thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago, there's mm. been actually great development and empathy um, at large, and yeah. um, and it's progressing. So um, you know, there's some hope there. <laughs> yeah, there really <laughs> is. Know. And yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think that um, I'm also going to connect you with somebody else I know who's working in a similar space to you. You may already have heard about who I'm also trying to get on this podcast. He's a little busy. He's just done a tour of Australia with his film 2030. And he made a film prior to that called 2040, The Regeneration. Um, If you're not aware of his work, I think you would enjoy it. He's working in a very similar space to you. He actually is creating mockumentaries kind of um, now, but he, his last one was a documentary about things that we are doing at the moment that will create a different 2040 for us. Um, and his last short film, his name is Damon Gamo, and he, his last short film was um, like a fake news article, but set in 2030, and in a positive kind of sense, looking back at 2020 to 2030, like what if we did things differently? You know, what would that look like in the, in the news item celebrating the decade, looking back from 2030. 
Yeah, that's a great approach because what it does is it um, presupposes that we're already going to make it. And right. so it's, it's a positive you know, it takes away that. Yeah, very much so. That's great. Yeah, you would really enjoy it. So he just toured the country with that film just prior to an election in Australia, a very pivotal election, as you can imagine, mm. in the world at this time. And um, Australia is a, has a bad track record, in a sense, to put it mildly, in terms of um, environmental outcomes. And so it was a really interesting time to tour the country. And he started his showing, his viewing of that film, talking about politics and just saying what we could do to elect different people and ask different things mm. of our political system. And that was a very interesting thing to do as well. And it, to some extent, it succeeded in getting more independence into our political spheres. And that was a very important thing to happen at this point in time. So um, it's a, a very interesting approach. And I think you'd enjoy knowing about his work. He also runs a film company. So has taken a similar approach to you in the sense of this is a good way to make change, to tell stories differently. Um, and yeah, it's a fascinating area to me. And I would, I would love to know a little bit about what's the work that you do now. So, so tell me about the kind of work that you're doing at the moment. Give me an example of, of projects, recent projects or current projects. Yeah. Um, so I guess um, the most recent video we did was, for, was with um, Chris Hedges, who is um, an American author. Um, and former New York Times war correspondent um, who spent a lot of time wow. in the Middle East and, and things. And, and it was around America's gun culture. So wow. um, he's done a lot of research and he comes from a lower, um, lower class um, white family who, you know, was one of many who was um, disrupted by um, the out, the, you know, the outsource. Hang on a moment. Okay. Okay, we're back on. Okay. Um, so the latest work I did was with um, Chris Hedges, who's um, a award-winning journalist for um, a former New York Times war correspondent and spent a lot of time in the Middle East and other countries and, and embedded mm -hmm. in war zones. And Wow. And he also came from a lower middle, lower, um, lower class white family, working class family um, in Maine, um, where a lot of jobs were outsourced from. And right. um, so he's very much in touch with the uh, impoverishment that came to yeah. a lot of American workers as a result of um, NAFTA and other um, globalization agreements and things like that. So, um, and what he, what the film's really about is is about his uh, understanding of that deep wound that's inside of people mm. that actually makes them want to hold on to their guns and wow. why the gun is so important in their mythology. That's um, and fascinating. In their, and in the, um, their worldview. Yeah. And so it goes a lot deeper than just yeah. like, oh, these, you know, gun nuts or whatever. It's yes. like, no, they're, they're people and they actually have um, traumas and things and, yeah. um, a lot of pain and suffering, just like most people do yeah. in the world today as a result of our economic system. So, yeah. um, you know, it's really what we try to do is to try to build understanding because we yeah. think that judgment is something that doesn't do us any good. Um, mm. You can judge ideas, you know, you can judge, yeah. um, 
behaviors. But when you start judging people, then what happens, what ends up happening is that those people become rooted in those judgments. Like, okay, well, if you're going to tell me that's what I am, then I'll be that. And I can't be anything else. Um, And so that's why it's such a dangerous thing to do. Um, We we still need to use judgment, but when we use it to um, elevate ourselves above others because they're bad and we're good, then we're fighting the war that will never be won. And and that's the thing that we really need to change. And creating separation you know, creating really deep separation. I think this is such a fascinating area. So I grew up in a culture, you know, my, my grandfather was a a Holocaust survivor. And, and as a result, Mm. the dinner table conversation when I was a young child, he was um, a a self-educated man, you know, he hadn't had the chance to go to school, but he was Mm -hmm. really curious and intelligent. And so he rooted a lot of our kind of our learning sitting around as a family when I was very young in just conversation, you know, and an argument actually. So we would argue about ideas and, and there were certain areas of, of sort of conversation that were no go zones, a little bit like what you're talking about. We didn't judge people, we judged ideas. And that was very important um, and sort of integral to my thinking still is. Mm. And yet a lot of people uh, have not been, exposed to that concept have not yeah it's have not had that understanding kind of from an early age and so it's hard for them to comprehend the damage that can be done with those kinds of um, polarizing judgments or indictments on individuals you know and i i recently moderated a conversation in a facebook group (laughs) that i run locally and i and i run local groups to, to connect people. It's another way that I connect people. And leading up to the election, I live in an area that is a real mix of socioeconomic strata, not a very big mix of culture, a lot of white people. And um, there was some really, really strong opinions um, that started to come out. And, and it was very interesting to bring in this understanding that we're talking about now where let's talk about ideas let's argue about ideas we live in democracies we need to talk about ideas it's important especially leading up to an election however being unkind and not listening to one another is a whole nother thing you know and the ability to listen to difference to respect difference to encourage difference celebrate it is a whole nother thing you know and um it was fascinating how many people were really heartened by that conversation because it's not one that happens often here you know where we live and um i feel it's so important yeah, there's a there's a story one of the stories of our culture is this story of good versus evil and it right. goes back a long time you know and right. it's one of the ways that first of all what you can do with that story are so are a lot of um, terrible things because you can dehumanize through that story you right. can you can write certain people or certain groups off as evil and sometimes you know when when there are economic challenges and you know you need it's a simple story see this is why it's so effective it's it's because it's extremely simplistic you know all you have to do is label a certain group or a certain person as evil 
And now they're the source of all the problems that are of bad things in the world, because evil is what caused also all the bad things in the world. So if I can now associate that as simplistic as, oh, it's just that person causing it, then the solution becomes easy too, which is to um, remove that person, eliminate that person, um, remove them from their position, whatever it is. Yeah. if, but if anybody has been paying attention at all, they can notice that, yeah. that uh, evil never goes anywhere. It always stays. It never gets eradicated and it's always yeah. around yeah. Um, constantly forever. Yeah. Um, so, so something's wrong with that story because, mm. um, you know, and then they say, oh, well, it's just the way it is. There's evil in the world or something like that. But um, see, this is why, again, it's so simplistic. So instead yes. of having that story, what else could one do? You know, one yes. could try to understand and what do you and the tool that you use that use for that is empathy you know say what is it like right. to be that person who I right. think is evil what were their experiences in life and let me go talk to them and see what they were and maybe actually they might not be as evil as I was told that they were you know yeah and then you start realizing that oh it's a lot more complex the world that we live in it's it's not so simplistic you can't just right. explain it with these simplistic stories and concepts it's actually much deeper and that's when it starts getting a little more fun actually like yeah. those, you know because you're like oh it's just i don't have to have a simplistic answer for everything right. uh, god's will you know is another one yeah, you know? yeah. it's like it's oh like... it's just god's will it's like okay yeah. that's a pretty simplistic answer for why yeah. things happen and if you kind of go past those, then, um, you know, there's all kinds of room for learning and growth and understanding and, and yeah. the possibility of a better future for. Um, I totally agree. And I guess my question around this, I mean, it's kind of like the, the walk a mile in another person's shoes principle, isn't it? But I, I do wonder this conversation that we're having now about this kind of deeper thinking and this ability to step into a deeper mode of thinking, is that something that is often related to privilege. Is that something that we can only do if we have food on the table and roofs over our heads? Like when we're in survival mode, can we still, you know, this is my question, I guess, because personally, I know that when I was in survival mode, it was much more difficult to be in that kind of privileged position of being able to think deeply about things and, and have greater empathy. And uh, this is a challenging question. I'm kind of challenging it. And I'm curious to your answer yeah. because how do, how do we allow everybody, no matter their circumstance, to access that understanding and that experience, you know? Yeah. And I think what you're doing is one way, just quietly. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's, a good, it's a great question. Yes. I mean, I think if you are starving um, or, you know, dying of thirst, then then these deeper level questions aren't very relevant relevant. to you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the extreme. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of, there's a lot of people in this kind of middle ground. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 but I wouldn't say that it's impossible either. Agreed. Um, Agreed. um, If, even if you are in that state, it's not impossible to think selflessly. In fact, there's lots of people who, um, are incredibly poor, but will offer their last piece yeah. of bread to a stranger. Um, absolutely, so, absolutely. So, so you find that, you know, that generosity and, and really where it comes from, I think is um, a deeper level um, orientation to the world, which is yeah. um, if you're oriented towards the world to um, fear it, 
yeah. um, you'll want to try to control it. Right. And this is just kind of the natural thing that you're going to want to do. If you're yes. um, kind of taught or you are given the experience that um, there's abundance in, mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean just in terms of economics, I mean, I in terms of love, in terms of connection, in terms mm. of relationship, if you are oriented towards relationship, mm. then um, you'll be more selfless and you'll be more um, um, wanting because because you'll learn the tools that build relationship and those mm. are generosity and connection mm. and companionship and cooperation and if you're learning the tools of control then you'll learn the others you know the yes. self selfishness the greed um, mm. looking out only after yourself closing off your emotions shutting those things down um, mm. that you know this will be the, the way that you kind of orient to the world mm. so I find that it kind of depends on your orientation really mm. fundamentally more so than because you can find people with everything and they still won't help others, mm. you know? So um, it's really, it comes down to, I think your orientation towards the world that way. And that has a lot to do with um, uh, the um, early things that happened to you as um, a child and even yes. before you're born, you know, yes. and why it's so important, you know, bringing it back to Yes. The mothers, why it's so important that society take care of mothers yes. um, and Huge. make sure that they are not stressed financially or emotionally yes. um, and they're supported 100% because that's that's yes. actually the best thing we can do to raise children who will be yes. oriented towards relationship and not towards, you know, trying to control the world, which is kind yes. of what you see happening with many of the leaders that we that's have right. today that's right. that I mean, they're the, the all work oriented of, towards control the work of um absolutely the work of gabor mate comes to mind when you start absolutely talking yeah like he's that. a big influence yeah. for me incredible as well. me yeah. too so yeah. and interestingly you know as we speak about this uh my my family was uh separated when i was four weeks old and my mother had to go to work you know when i was four yeah, weeks right. old so she mm -hmm. put me in care and my, you know, she struggled. And although she succeeded in many ways in her absolute dogged determination, built a house, did incredible things, her focus was, like you say, on surviving that situation and thriving yeah. in that situation, not so much on me, you know. So she focused on me in that way by creating a safe space, by building a home, by putting food on the table. But that was all she could do really at that point. And then in repartnering, um, there was another whole situation. And and I did end up having that experience, which ultimately led to a lot of shame, a lot of trauma, very early in my life trauma, which I didn't know was there, which then transmuted into addiction, domestic abuse situations for me up until the age of about 33, where I'd had my first child, I was still in addiction. When he was two, um, I began the journey to health and recovery and healing really deeply. And that happened in community. It happened in a 12-step program at first. And then it happened through all these other things I'm talking about, the permaculture and writing a blog. And, you know, so I have a story of adversity as well, even though on the on the outside, I came from, you know, a middle-class white family with a good education, right? So it's a very interesting and co quite common story. And a lot of people I think are unaware of, of how much of that is playing into their lives in the present, as you say. It's everything. I think it's, it's the whole um, drive because I mean, these are, these are the drives that are 
born into early yes. on in life these drives to control or drives to have relationship yes. um, and um and they keep playing themselves out i mean unless yes. you've actually done the work to understand your yes. own motivations for the things that you're doing in your life and it's heavy um, work you, it's heavy work it, it can be it's, it can it's, be heavy it doesn't have to be that's true it, but it's you it know, takes effort is my point it takes guts you know to look at this it stuff does. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, we're, you know, the problem is, is that we live in a culture that is constantly trying to distract us from doing this work. Yeah, right. You know, it's like so our true. phones or whatever. It's like, you know, if you have a few minutes, it's like I you know. spend all this time trying to not <laughs> so um, many books be with I ourselves, want to read. you know, you can see them. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> but just mm. even just to be with yourself in, mm. in a, in a moment and just to yes. consider your own feelings in that moment. Mm. Um, you know, these are things that I didn't know how to do either. Um, my oh, wife yeah. is the one who kind of helped me to develop these things. I was totally shut down yeah. beforehand. So, was, yeah. um, you know, but these are the things that you do when you love yourself. You consider yourself, you consider your feelings. How yes. am I feeling in this moment? Why do I feel this way? Yes. Is it some, you know, what are the, what's just take inventory of, and, of and also I believe, like you say, they're tools that you learn and mm -hmm. they're also, and they're tools that I now share and teach in the work that I do, this is what I do now, is I support mothers Beautiful. to be mm. these people. It's very new. My business is only one year old, but this is the whole mission. What we're talking about is mm -hmm. how can we support each other? How can we bring these tools really easily and accessibly? You know, so the way that I've worked that out is like a monthly membership. So, so when we connect, you know, we have our circle tonight where we sit around and we reflect. And by being accountable to each other, because we're a group, a small group so far that is slowly growing and it it allows us to prioritize it it somehow makes it easier to prioritize because we can we can say all right let's let's make this time in this day to sit down and speak in that soulful way and connect in that soulful way and share what's really going on in a safe space and often as women and mothers we're not going to always be able to afford therapy or or you know, bigger, bigger ticket items. We're not, we're not always going to have the time to read the books we want to read. We're not going to, you know, women in the early stages of motherhood or even up to 10 years post motherhood, we're often depleted physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, we're often searching for a kind of a new identity as mothers, as women. And so this is the area where um, I've started to kind of come in and, and work with women in a group capacity and sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, but mostly groups. And I find that it's such a beautiful thing to see these women just start to bring that awareness that we're talking about into their lives and start to use it with their children, with their partners in their communities. And um, someone said to me, what effect does that have in the real world? And I was like, it's the difference between when I go to the playground, if I am feeling bereft of my soul and completely worn out and depleted and you know angry because I haven't had a moment to myself I'm not going to be kind to the other mother next to me I'm going to be like oh I don't like what she's wearing she's you know that that narrative that judgmental that control yeah. you were talking about comes in I was like it's the difference literally between finding the friends that you need in the school playground or being the horrible mom that you know like it's the difference it's that difference. It's that difference between connectivity and separation. But in real terms, it's also the difference between actually having an experience of your day that is regenerative and restorative or 
depleting and further upsetting and further, you know, it's quite a big difference. <laughs> you know, it is. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fundamentally, I, day more. to day, it is. Yeah. Um, when when you you know when you look at somebody who has so much and yet they can't stop ever getting off the performance yeah. machine. Yeah, that competition over collaboration thing. And I think that, you know, women um, get very fractured sometimes. Men too, I know, but I can only speak to the woman's experience really. But but it's a very interesting thing that that seems like a small choice. It seems like a small arena. But to me it's fundamental. It's foundational that all of us living in family units even living on our own in communities, we whether we connect or separate changes everything about the way we experience life, you know. Fundamentally, it absolutely mm -hmm. does. Um, you know, I always say that, um, you know, if you kind of go back to the root of it all um, mm -hmm. and, and you strip away all of the culture and all of the experiences you have and, you know, you look at what, what, what actually is, it's like mm -hmm. we're we're here in these bodies and we're breathing yeah. and we're on this planet and there's a sun and there's stars and all these things, but we get here. We don't know why we're here. We're just here. Yeah. Um, and we know at some point that experience will end and we don't know what comes next. So it just, when you kind of sit with that predicament, um, you realize that, 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 there's some insecurity there, you know, yeah. there's going to be a fundamental insecurity inside every single person because mm. of this predicament. Mm. And so the way that you deal with that insecurity is critical. How yeah. do you deal with it? And I think there's two fundamental ways that I just pre presented earlier, which is really kind of the core of it, but like you can try to control your surroundings and try mm. to make it so that uh, you're your end on this time on this on end of this experience won't happen yeah. for as long as possible. And you can try to control everything yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Or you can um, develop relationship and in that mutual mm. relationship um, have a bond with these people and feel more secure mm. because of that bond. And so mm. again, it's that fundamental thing is how, how that fundamental choice you make of how to deal with the, insecurity that we all have and every single person i guarantee yes. has it at some fundamental level yeah that's beautiful chris i so i'm so thrilled to meet you guys um oh thank you chris's partner dawn was unable to attend this interview we may have to do a redo i think with both of you if you're open to it <laughs> in sure, the future that yeah that would be amazing i would really love to meet dawn when she's feeling better um Chris, you know, you don't know me from Dot and you've just come on here and, and shared your time and your insight and your wisdom with me and the listeners of this podcast. So I want to say from my heart to yours, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I can hear some garbage trucks coming down our street, so maybe it's time to wrap it up. But um, okay. <laughs> it's been wonderful to meet you and um, I'll certainly be watching very closely what you do and I'll place some links in show notes for uh, ways people can see more of what you're doing. This podcast is produced independently and made just for you. So if you have enjoyed it, please do leave me a review and you can put in the review a request for a topic or even a nomination for a particular guest if you would like me to interview someone in particular. Thank you so much for your support. If you really love it, uh, you can also share it and subscribe to it and follow it. See you soon.